70. Embiid. Coast to coast for 70. Welcome back to You Better You Bet. Brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Kate Scott with the call the other night on NBC Sports Philadelphia. That's the uh, the Sixers uh, local broadcast call. We were talking during the break. NBA TV broadcasted the game, and I just got to like, just a tip of the cap to that what broadcast lucky, team. Lucky bounce for them, by the way. You, you, you pick up Sixers Spurs, which is like Sixers favored by 11 billion, and you get that on national team. Like, oh, Embiid, Wemba, Nyama, great. It was also going to be a dead game. It was going to be a terrible game. And you got... You got a guy who scored 70 points on national TV. Like, great get for, like, really lucky get for them. Uh, we were saying during the break, Ken, and, and that was the broadcast that we watch nationally because we don't live in Philadelphia. Right. Um, Spiro Ditas, my fellow Fordham Ram, the Greek freak, who's awesome. Brendan Haywood, who was absolutely hysterical. And I think, like, kind of like every once everyone realized what was happening, like on social media, you probably put the game on and people were watching it. I did. Uh, Brendan Haywood was making me laugh out loud. Whenever someone other than Embiid on the Sixers would shoot, he would call them out. And then Dennis Scott was hysterical in the post-game interview with Embiid when they dumped all the water and Gatorade on him. He's like, get the hell out of here, guys. This jacket's brand new. Great job by NBA TV in all seriousness on Monday night covering uh, the Sixers uh, win over San Antonio. Highlighted, of course, by 70 points, as you heard, coming back from break from the great Joel Embiid. We will talk about Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia Sixers and NBA MVP in just a moment. We'll give you a little bit more on the Milwaukee Bucks in the wake of the Adrian Griffin firing. We do have some breaking news in the National Football League, and we will talk about this in full a little later in the show. Not much to do with this now, if anything, obviously, in the betting market, but just getting ahead of stuff for next season. Uh, Vic Fangio, uh, defensive coordinator this past season of the Miami Dolphins, former head coach of the Broncos, one of the great defensive coordinators in the last two decades in the NFL, mutually agreeing to part ways with Miami, uh, clearing the path for him per, per like every NFL insider. He's going to be the new defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think it's probable, not definitely, but probable that Cliff Kingsbury will be the new offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles as they rebuild their coaching staff in the wake of their kind of, you know, stumble to end the season, as Ken would say, stepping on a rake for the last however many weeks of the year. So Fangio's going to be the new DC. We'll see who the new offensive coordinator is for the Philadelphia Eagles. That is a home run hire. Jim Johnson, V2.0. Have to get some better corners to support the pass rushers for the Fangio defense, but that is a grand slam defensive coordinator hire for the Philadelphia Eagles. Great guests will join us starting next hour on the show. We look forward to that. Headlined by Dave Wanstead, who will start it off at 4 o'clock Eastern. But before we get to the guests, Ken, before we get to Joel Embiid, give us a little bit more here on Milwaukee, specifically an award market that you think will be impacted by Doc Rivers taking over as Milwaukee's new head coach, replacing the fired Adrian Griffin. Yeah, I just, I kind of want to see, like I said in the last segment, kind of want to see how this plays out because it could go a few different ways with, with Doc and, and the Bucks. Is their identity going to be different? Is it just going to kind of be the same? Because look, like the players are all the same. Why Why do they have to start defending? Why do they have to start, you know, playing lower scoring games or blowing teams out, you know, things that they aren't, they aren't doing right now? Why do they have to start doing those things? Maybe they don't. If they do and they become like a a more normal team with a big record, because you, you, what's their record again? I always forget. Uh, what they're 30 right. and 13, 13, whatever it is. 30, 30 and 13. Yeah. So People are like, oh my God, 30 and 13, you fire the coach. Like, go look at the underlying numbers of this team. Uh, they're in a close game every night, and they have won basically every close game that they've been in. So their net rating stinks. 
their overall numbers stink versus a lot of their competitors who have better records. So if you, if you just look at the record, it's kind of masking that they find themselves in close games all the time against bad teams, find themselves in close games. I mean, the Pistons, they find themselves in a close game. Pistons covered, really covered two games last week against yeah. them. So it just it's really tough to just be like, well, the record, uh, that's not really what it was, and that's why they made the move. Um, if they change their stripes and they play differently, uh, I think it's possible that the clutch player of the year uh, award, whatever it is, uh, market could be impacted. And Damian Lillard's the favorite. There's, I would just remind people we're about to be game 50 pretty soon, and nobody knows anything about who's ahead in any market. MVP, we have polling. We know Rookie of the Year is a two-player race. Beyond that, nobody knows anything. All the people who are saying who they're going to vote for are giving weird, outlandish candidates, and I don't think they reflect like a mainstream opinion. And this is a market where nobody knows anything. Nobody knows how people are going to vote. Nobody knows who should be even be ahead right now. And it's all guesswork. Now, I will say... I viewed I viewed Lillard as by far the most likely player to win prior to this coaching move. Why? Uh, because every voter is going to do the same thing. They're going to go to NBA.com and they're going to filter by clutch time and they're going to look at who the best players were because it's how we keep track of this stuff. It's everything De'Aaron Fox led last year and he was on a really good team. And Lillard's case is that in this clutch time, he's the best player. He doesn't score the most points. But he wins by far. They're like 19 and 5 in clutch games, something like that. His plus minus is like a billion. He He's the best clutch player so far this year. Okay, well, what if they just stop playing in clutch games? <laughs> because now Doc Rivers is the coach, and now they defend a little bit better. Now they win by 20 every night. Like, is he going to be in as many of these situations? In clutch time, is he going to shoot as much? Like, what's going what's, what's gonna to happen here? Again, like, we're changing the rules, and I don't like it because I had a really strong opinion. And does it open up the opportunity? And there, there isn't another player where it's like, oh, my God, you have to go bet this player right now to win Clutch Player of the Year. I think there are about three or four players that make sense. I don't want to go over who they are right now. But, like, the idea that Lillard now, I feel like, was, I think, like, a month away from maybe having a stranglehold on this thing. And now what? Now, like, what is this going to be? If he just stops playing in these games... That's pretty tough. And he makes a ton of sense. I mean, his, you know, his nickname's Dame Time. He's doing an ad campaign for Gatorade that calls him Mr. Clutch. Like, what, what I mean, this was, this was, this is Blake Griffin jumping over Ikea. It was so rigged. Like, this was going to be a thing. And now, I don't know. So that's just one, one market where it's like, I don't, I don't have good advice. Just I was getting close to, like, backing the, the Brinks truck up on an opinion. And again, like, that's kind of why you wait, I guess, on this stuff. Like, well, what if they did trade deadline is usually what I like to wait for. And the trade deadline produced a coaching change instead. You better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Wednesday. Uh, we'll get to Championship Sunday in the National Football League. Great guests will join us starting next hour on the show. But still talking NBA here. A lot happened in the association. Uh, well, Ken and I were off on Tuesday. Our last show was on Monday. Uh, let's get into Embiid. 70 points a couple nights ago. He's obviously amazing at the height of his powers right now. And speaking of back up the Brinks truck, and obviously everyone should bet responsibly, but I hope people did put some money on Embiid when he was 9-1 to to an MVP when Ken, you came on the air, uh, what, nine days ago now, 10 days ago, and said, hey, like, this price is wrong. Uh, Embiid is plus 120 to an MVP now. Uh, Nikola Jokic plus 275. Shea Hill, Alexander plus 375. Luka Doncic at nine. Giannis Antetokounmpo, at 11. So Embiid, the clear favorite, and that will obviously happen when you score, you know, 70 points in a game. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, anything, Ken, for you on Embiid following his 70-point effort on Monday night? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're if you're holding the tickets, like I'm texting people that bet it too, and 
like friends of mine that also bet awards or people that I know. And it's like, you know, we're all watching the game and we're all texting the same thing. It's some combination of this is awesome and please don't get hurt. It's probably some combination of those two things. And, you know, like when it, when it was obvious he was getting, Nick Nurse gives the, the interview before the fourth quarter and says like <laughs> the way he put it, I wish I could remember the quote, like Joel looks like he's really into it tonight. So I'm going to put him back in with like six or seven minutes, which is kind of an indictment of the other games. Just to be honest, when you say it like that, like, Oh, it looks like he cares tonight. I guess I'll put him back in at like seven minutes to go. And once he said that, you know, I'm texting people like, this is great, but like an extra seven minutes on his, in his gas tank, you know, like this is like, you could seven more minutes, you can turn your ankle or something bad can happen. Look, I mean, you know, it's the best possible run out. Like I, I didn't know he was, when we bet this, I had no idea he was going to outduel Jokic to that degree and they were going to win and he was going to score 70 points. It was really, it was good luck. It was good fortune. And, um, but you know, I, I do think that however the run out happened of games, that this price drop to some degree was always going to happen. Just didn't know how many games it was going to take. He was the best player before he got hurt. Like, it's not like the, this isn't surprising, even if 70 is surprising, that he's playing really well and having these big games. Look, I mean, all the midseason content that came out about this award, we'll have another poll in two weeks. It's going to be Embiid and Jokic in that order, probably. And it's just like how close they are. Uh, there won't be a third, the way that this is played out, there probably won't be a third player that becomes remotely interesting. It'll be like, can people stomach the games miss? And I think the answer will be an, un an unequivocal yes and vote him. It helps when you drop uh, 70. It helps right. when that happens. And it's just, you have a, like Rachel Nichols, who's like kind of become an Embiid apologist in the media, but like, you know, like has some gravitas too and covers the league, obviously. Good. We and met him. Keep apologizing. And she's, for and him, she's tweeting like, <laughs> well, she's, she's already doing the like, this is why it's so bad to have the games limit because he's so obviously the best player. And like, if this gets taken away from him almost because he misses the games, oh, like God. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I bet Embiid like, for a lot. And yeah. even I'm like, I don't know if he should yeah, don't play do that. 61 games. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think I'm pretty good on that. Um, look, I, you know, the market has it, I think pretty close. You're really just, you're, I think you're just getting closer and closer to closer to uh, handicapping an injury which is what do you think the likelihood is that he's, that he doesn't miss the games. It's worth noting you may view back-to-backs as like an essential part of this because he may not play in some of the second nights of back-to-backs and stuff. It's just worth noting. I believe they have four or five left this season. Uh, two of them are in extremely advantageous situations for him to play. So like uh, out of the all-star break, the first two games out of the break, they play a back-to-back. That's much easier. You have extended time off going in. And then basically right at the end of the season, they play another back-to-back -back and the second game is against San Antonio again. And be like, that's an easy 25, 25 minutes. We're up 30. I'm not playing the second half. Like, or maybe you score 70 again. Right. So just it would be a lot of attention on that game probably for that reason. Just, you know, yeah, he can get hurt. And if he gets hurt, I lose. Totally at peace with that. Also, we're getting really close to just like, if he plays the games, he wins. And as he gets closer to doing that, then the price needs to keep adjusting for that reality. And it's kind of unfair to Jokic that that's what it is, but I think that's what it is. And uh, so I'll continue betting the market that way, which means nothing to do yet. But as we clear like another four, six, eight games, and it becomes really likely he's going to hit the threshold, then the price needs to drop really dramatically. And uh, and we'll see if it does that. I, I want to know where the hell was... We got to get Rachel Nichols on the show, by the way. Where the hell was Rachel Nichols for NFL Comeback Player of the Year. We could have used this energy for DeMar Hamlin and Baker well, Mayfield and Joe Flacco. I think it's tomorrow. Pro Football Writers Association has been doing their awards all week. I don't Coach, even want to think. I think like, it's tomorrow. Honestly, honestly, like that made my stomach hurt when you just said that. Coach, I don't want to like, think, think about this I think Coach is tomorrow, right and now. I don't know if Comeback is tomorrow also. But I can't I'll give you, handle I'll give you the, you need. You want to know the five real quick? We know five of the seven already. Go ahead. So 
and this these tend to be they don't have to be predictive but like look it's the only you know window we have into the voting lamar mccaffrey garrett and then the two houston rookies both won stroud and will anderson which i think will be of yep. significance to a lot of people one defensive rookie of the year this is the pro football writers association i i wonder if uh I, th- we have so much still to do on the show, which is awesome. Like, does Chris Finch's rant on Monday night like almost make him a little more likely to win Coach of the Year? Is the second choice of plus no. two fifty? <laughs> we got, we got, we got to get to the Edmonton Oilers it. later in the show. Yeah. Hour one done. Hour two for you on the other side. We'll start at talking championship Sunday with the coach, Dave Wanstead.